Hi, Paul Scanlon here. Thanks for taking the time to click on my podcast. I want to spend time focusing on my primary passions of leadership, personal development, communication, growing big people, and I hope that these podcasts really help and add value to your life and to your journey. Thanks for tuning in. I'm going to read to you from 3 John 2. It is a great thing that he says to this church that he loved and he was building and apostling um, about the soul. And he writes to these people who he loved dearly and said, Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health, that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. And he makes this correlation, this connection between your outer and your inner world. He says, I want you to prosper and to do well. But then he says, there's a caveat involved in your ability to do that. He said, I want that to happen, but it will be even as or in conjunction with or governed by or attached to the flourishing and the wellness and the development of your soul. And he gives us this connection that I think is widely understood generally in the world, but clearly widely not lived in by most people on the planet who are busy trying to live life from the outside in, instead of from the inside out. And many of us are spending a lot of time trying to control the external environment over which we have no control, Instead of spending time on the only environment we can control, which is our internal climate. And so what happens is, if you don't take charge of your internal ecosystem, you'll spend your lifetime to control other people's. If you don't control your emotions, you'll try to control other people's emotions that keep upsetting yours. So you spend your life being exhausted trying to remove from your world things that upset you, you don't like, that bother you, challenge you, upset you, confront you. You spend your life navigating all of that, not knowing that that's going to keep coming. Stuff you don't like and people you don't like and people you don't get on with and challenges you'd rather are going to keep coming. It's called being a human and being alive. So the sooner we figure out that we can only change the internal world. And as your internal life goes, so your external life goes, is what John is telling the early church. And I, I have this stool up here because I wanted to teach this to you today with kind of this posture in mind internally in my soul as I speak to you about this. I want this to be my tone. I don't want this to be my tone. I want this to be my tone because I think the soul is a complicated area that I have chosen to step into and ask you to step into for a few minutes. I think it's complicated and I don't want to get up here and oversimplify it and be black and white about it because there's very little about the soul that is black and white. So I want to be seated in my internal posture and I want you to be seated internally too and listen and lean in. And give me some time to open this up a little bit with you today so that we leave here at least with some new ideas or some more information that you lacked prior to today about this twilight zone called the soul that I don't think we've done well about in the church either. 
When I first got saved, there was no teaching about the soul, and the only stuff I heard was usually negative in its connotation. The soul was, was the heathen, unsaved part of you that God was kind of dragging, kicking, and screaming into the kingdom. That your soul was really irrelevant because now you're born again, and born again meant that you are now a new creation, which kind of meant anything that you were before any form of human you were before is now null and void because now you're born again was kind of the theology I grew up with. And there was no nuance. It was either or. It was this or that. It was you were this and now you are becoming this. And there was no nuance. Nuance. I'm teaching nuance around the world at the moment because the world has never been more divided than it is now, especially America what I have a home and spend a lot of time. It's black or it's white. It's Democrat or Republican. It's rich or poor. It's gay or it's straight. It's in or out. It's Christian or non-Christian. There's no nuance. And when there's no nuance, we're bound to be divided because the only way you can be part of something is if you join my opinion about it. You can't have another one. And the word nuance comes from the French word nuance. You say it like Beyonce. And it means shade. And there's a lot of nuance in this issue of the soul that I want to be careful about in the way I speak to you about it. But I do want to say that I did not get any help about this. And I want you to have help, whether you are a long-standing believer or you're new in the faith. I want you to be helped and be intentional about the soul. The title of this idea is called The Hierarchy of the Soul because I think the soul has its own internal hierarchy and no one told me that and perhaps this is news to you it is well known I think to us in the church and I think to people outside the church that the soul has component parts has members in the soul three that we've identified by the way there are other sub-members in the soul that's why it needs to be nuanced the three obvious the three main suspects the three main players are the mind the emotions and the will are involved in the hierarchy of the soul. There are other aspects to the soul that I don't have time to go into that, that make it even more difficult to be black and white about. But this is enough for today. These three members of the soul are all on the same side. They all want you to win in life. Your soul wants to serve your spirit and your soul wants to serve your body, and your body wants to serve your soul, and your spirit wants to serve your body. All, all of the three parts of you as a human, spirit, soul, and body, all want you to win. There's no part of you that's rogue and separate and dangerous and you should avoid. This is poor humanity, let alone poor Christianity, when we try to live with an overdeveloped spirit with an impoverished soul. So what happens is in the church world, we've kind of concreted over the soul, pretending it doesn't really count in the scheme of things. And if I get more and more spiritual and get more and more, you know, scriptural and move more in the spirit and understand more the spirit and read more and pray more and shabba do more, if, if we do more of that, then I'm just going to turn out to be a great person. Well, I've been pastoring for three decades, and I can tell you that all of that does not make a great person. 
It might make a great Christian inside the bubble on Sunday morning, but it doesn't make a good human. And I stopped speaking to Christians years ago and started speaking to humans because I felt that we were responsible for creating people that were good Christians, but not very good humans. It's possible to be brilliant in here and be not so good on Monday morning. But we don't see that version of you. You drop that off at the door on the way in. And we get this version of you, which we like. And you know what we like, so you bring that version to church. But the people that live with you, do life with you, if we give them a microphone, they might say, well, you know, she's lovely and she's... but." Uh, she's just rude or really unfriendly or really narrow-minded and judgmental. I only told her something about my life and I'd got pontificated over. Because our theology is this, whosoever will may come, come as you are is trending around the world on church branding, come as you are. But if you do come as you are, if looks could kill, you might not come back. So we don't want to build any more churches like that. There is no more need for churches around the world where people have this dual identity, where they are a Sunday morning version and then they can't flourish and prosper outside the bubble because we haven't taught you how to do that because we didn't speak to you about this part of you called the soul. And the soul has a hierarchy and in the hierarchy of the soul, the mind is king. If you could remember that alone today, it will help you this week. Your mind is the king of the hierarchy of the soul. Your mind should be in charge. Now, for most human beings, the mind is not in charge. The emotions are in charge. And so people are living at the mercy of whatever emotion they feel and expressing that and living victim to that and medicating that. And trying to navigate life with this emotion that just keeps taking advantage of them. Thinking that's the norm because it is. Most human beings are living with the emotions in charge of the soul. So the hierarchy is out of whack. If your soul was a ship, then your mind would be the captain. Your emotions would be the engine room that gives the drive and the energy and your will would be the steering mechanism of your life. And so if, if the engine room's in charge, generating emotional energy, your life is just driven by whatever you feel, and there you go. And it can be very ugly to watch. It can be very uncomfortable to be experiencing it. I watch my grandchildren. I have eight grandchildren. It's out of control. And I watch their little personalities developing and I watch how they just vent and let whatever comes into their little souls out. And I say to their mums, my four daughters, if I were you, I'd keep an eye on that. Don't concrete over it because two of my grandkids are weird. <laughs> it's the best word to describe them. Weird. But I think their weirdness is possibly their superpower. So we don't want to concrete over the weird, but it's going to have to be managed because if the weird manifests as an emotional outburst or an out-of-control emotional train that they're on, I think our gift to them as they grow is that we mentor and coach them that you have other options, that your soul can be trained 
The soul part of you can be taken to school every day and can be schooled and trained to work for you, not against you. To support what your spirit wants to do. To get behind and hand you the right energies that you need to do what God's calling you to do. That your soul hands you the energy to be a good human. It hands you the energy to be a good spouse, to be a good parent, to be a good friend, to be a good employee or employer, that your soul hands you the energy to be loyal and to be faithful and to show up on time and to, and, and to be authentic and your soul hands you this. But if you just think that happens because you're born again and love God and angels river dance on your duvet, <laughs> then I need you to wake up. I need you to develop. I need you to develop some self-awareness. We don't talk about that enough in church. Because again, I grew up with this idea that self is crucified. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Which gave the idea again that anything that had self in it, any sentence that had self in it, anything that started with you or is about you automatically has to be fixed and has to be, you know, has to be brought into be more Christ-like. As if, as if when God saved you, he saw zero, nothing of value in you. That's what I was taught. It's still widespread. That theology, by the way, is still widespread in even what we would call progressive churches. It is often implicit rather than explicit in the way it's said that there's nothing of value in you at all until you get born again. That's not true. There are many people around the world who are making a bigger difference than Christians are. There are many people in the world who are better humans than Christians are. There are many people with far more grace and far more love and far more tolerance and far more faith than Christians have. So don't tell me that God doesn't find that useful. Don't tell me that God can't use non-born again people to improve the planet. Because he's doing it all the time and he doesn't care what we think about it. And so what I don't want is we to feel that somehow we have an inside fast track because we're born again. And it gives us some kind of arrogance and false reading so that we do life with a faulty dashboard. And the dashboard tells us what we want to hear because we're born again with the good guys and our soul's automatically healthy. It's not, or John wouldn't have said, I want you to prosper. I've got to tell you though, it's going to be as your soul prospers. And the prosperity of the soul is not a given. You have to be intentional about your internal climate control. Otherwise, you will not be a thermostat. You will live your life being a thermometer. You'll live your life reflecting the random temperature of what happens around you every day, rather than despite what happens, your internal climate is unchanging. It's much easier and yet much more complicated and intentional to take charge of that than to hope nothing sends your mercury soaring tomorrow morning at work or wherever your world is this week. So in the hierarchy of the soul, the mind is king. Well, thanks again for listening to today's podcast. I hope you found it beneficial. And uh, I know time is precious commodity for us all, but I would love it if you would take the time to write a review or comment, and above all, maybe subscribe to my podcast channel. Thank you.